Yes, I am turned on here. Hebrews chapter 5. Are y'all warm in here tonight? You're warm up here, right? Yeah, I was, I was kind of feeling like something wasn't, wasn't exactly right, and I felt, so anybody, y'all not hot out there? Really? Come on, y'all. Come on, men, support me now. Men, are you hot out there? It's amazing. That two feet makes a difference here. Something. I, I'm not sure. It's probably that or the lights. I'm not, I'm not sure exactly. But it, was, it just felt hot up here to me. Uh, all right. Uh, just uh, It's probably hormones. And so here we go. There we go. Um, we're looking at, uh, yes. Tonight we're going to revisit verse, verse 9. We're going to go back to verse 9, chapter 5. Uh, looking at verse 9. And it, and it says there... Uh, let's see. No, that's not right. I just looked at my Bible and I'm in Esther. That probably won't work. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to get there. All right. Here we go. Uh, chapter five, verse, verse nine, it says, and being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. And so that's kind of where we left off last week, but I was going to just speak another moment or two about that before we continue on. Uh, but perfect here, when it talks about uh, he, be, he being made perfect, it, it, understand that uh, perfect is complete. And in this case, uh, it's, it implies a continual maturing. Uh, you, know, it, you know, Jesus matured. He matured not, not in it, sinless perfection. Is, he was already sinless perfect. He matured in, in his stature. He matured in his, you know, his, in his understanding as a, it, because he grew in human flesh. But when, when it talks about Jesus, this word perfect is a little bit more unique than it is when it's talking about us and being made mature because we're, we're always being mature. But Jesus was made perfect completely or completely perfect. And so it's just a different uh, thought process uh, that when he became all that he is, uh, and we and it was totally revealed to us, and and it's almost impossible to explain because it it sort of sounds like he grew into perfection, but he he didn't. He lived out his life in perfection, and by doing so, he came through that life perfectly, and that and that so he was made perfect. He proved out his perfection, so to speak, and and I'm not sure if that really even that makes sense, but I tried to explain, but. Uh, also notice that it says he's the author of the eternal salvation. And that, that's an important point because you're going to deal with in chapter 6 some, some things that, that look like you're going to lose your salvation. But God makes it clear before you ever get to chapter 6 what he's really saying and what he really means because it says that Jesus, he didn't author a, a, a temporary salvation or a salvation that uh, hinged on anything or a possible salvation. He authored an eternal salvation. And so uh, it just makes it, he, what the Lord does is he makes it real clear before he ever starts stating. It's kind of like, um, you know, so many times when Joe Beth, I would come home from work and she would start telling me some story and I would, I would sit there for about five or six or eight or 10 minutes or, or an hour um, and I was trying to figure out what are we talking about? Any of you guys ever been there? 
what, what exactly are we talking about? But me being a very patient man, I would, I would let her express herself for a long time. Y'all don't understand anything I'm talking about, do you? The, um, but so, uh, uh, but no, actually, I would, often I would look at her and I would say, Jobeth, tell me what we're talking about and then go ahead and give me all the details you want. Now, that was a lie. I really didn't want all the details, but, but, but I, would, I would say, just tell me what we're talking about and then you can, you know, you can give me all the, the, the stuff that goes all around this issue. But so often I would be there and I didn't know if we, you know, if a dog had died or she had wrecked the car or if one of the kids were in the hospital. I really don't know what we're talking about. So I don't know how to put together all this information. This is not helping any of y'all, is it? So now this kind of, the Lord is it thinks like a man amen god puts it he just says let me tell you what he did he authored eternal salvation now he says all the rest that i'm going to talk about in hebrews uh it won't be confusing to you because i just told you what we're really talking about just wow can i get a holy grunt out of somebody the um all right now, some struggle with Hebrews 6, but we clearly see that the salvation that Jesus authored was eternal salvation. Now, uh, in, this, in this text, though, it says, He became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey Him. Now, that, that will cause us a little bit of trouble because that sounds like work salvation. Does that sound like work salvation to anybody? Is he, he, he authored this to everybody who obeys him. And maybe we could even look back and say, wow, you know, all those commands we studied, then, then maybe if I keep all those commands of Jesus, maybe I can earn my salvation. This is why we need to study to show that self proof. Or you need to come in on Wednesday night and hear me teach. Amen. Thank you. All right. Now, Truthfully, what you, what you have here, it, 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 even though it seems to hinge on obedience, which would imply works, this becomes clear and understandable when we know the word used for obey. You see, the word used for obey, and I'm not, I won't even say it right, but it, it, oh, I won't even pronounce it. So, uh, but it means to listen and then to obey what has been spoken. Now, now get this, he's talking to people that have heard the gospel. So when he's talking about eternal salvation to the, who, who obey, he's talking about eternal salvation comes when you hear the gospel and you heed it. It's talking about obedience to the gospel. And so... Uh, this is clearly obedience to the gospel that you've heard preached, obedience to the, it's obedience to the acceptance of the gospel. And, it, and that's why it means to listen and then to obey what has been spoken. And, it, and it's talking about the gospel had been presented, now are you going to obey it? Which means, to obey it means to receive it. To obey it means, then whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So uh, will you call upon the, the name of the Lord? So, 
And that just leads us to verse 10. Look at verse 10. It says, called of God and high priest after the order of Melchizedek. Now, it's amazing because just a few verses ago, we just, he's already mentioned this one time. And now he's coming back and saying it again. And why does God repeat anything? He repeats for emphasis. He always repeats for emphasis. Well, why is this? What's the emphasis here? The emphasis is that he's dealing with the people who are indoctrinated into the, 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 the priesthood of Aaron. And they're, they're struggling. So he's not going to just say it once. He says, I'm going to tell you again that there was a priest of God before Aaron. Melchizedek, and he said in verse 11, of whom, now we're talking about priests, called of God and high priest after the order of Melchizedek, of whom we have heard many things to say and hard to be uttered, seeing ye are dull of hearing. Look, we addressed this last week, but, but as we consider the recipients of the book of Hebrews, we again see Melchizedek mentioned. The repetition is a reinforcement of reality that there was and is a greater high priest than Aaron. In addition, though, there is an attempt to teach these people, but he's saying clearly, here's why he's repeating, he says clearly, you're dull of hearing. You're just not listening to me. He's having to repeat something because they didn't hear it the first time. They didn't get it. They're not accepting it. And, and that's what dull of hearing really means. It's not just that they didn't hear what he said. Dull of hearing, it, you know, it's like when Jesus says, let him that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Well, everybody he's talking to has ears to hear. But he's saying, what, you know, if you really have ears of submission, then you will accept what you're hearing. You will yield to what you're hearing. Now, the repetition is a reinforcement of the reality that there was and is a greater high priest. And they, and the, but they had this dull of hearing. Now, verse 12, look of verse 12 says, For when, for the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracle of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. So he's talking to clearly he's talking to the people that are already saved. He's talking to the people who are Christians. And he's saying, now, you know, by this time, you should have grown. And can I say, folks, the truth is, once we get saved, there ought to be a growing process. There's too much just hovering as, well, I'm saved now. And, and what we do is we, we get saved and then we come into almost a religious endeavor of coming to church. But we do, we're really not coming to grow. Well, the whole purpose of the church, you know, is, of course, people get saved through the church. But the real purpose of the church is to teach us how to live, how to grow in the Lord. How to know him better. How to talk to him better. That's why we, we're going to have a class on prayer. We need to learn. That's why my wife has this class for the ladies. Because we're trying to, we're not just coming here so that we can get spiritual brownie points with God. So that we can feel good about ourselves. We're coming so we can learn how to be more like Christ. And how to live for him in this world. And so he says, you know, look, he, I'm talking to people. 
that you're already saved, you've already heard this, you've already accepted, been born, and accepted the milk. He said, but, but now, uh, boy, after all this time has passed, you should have been, you should have been uh, finding your own food right now. You should have been cooking your own meals right now. You should have been digging for your own food. And, and, and I guess, folks, uh, I try and I want to be a help and a blessing to you, but, but if you only get three meals a week, you're going you're gonna to starve to death. You need to be getting some food for yourself. I've seen preachers that, that uh, I knew one fellow that, that he built, built his church, and he built it. He was a soul-winning machine, and he was going to get people baptized every service that he had. He went, and he went, and he went, but he was going so much that he, he, uh, he never studied the Bible. What he did was he listened to other men's sermons and sort of memorized them while he was going from here to there and there, and he would listen to sermons, then he would get up and preach their sermons. Well, the truth is, church was growing, people were getting saved, things were happening, but he was starving to death because he wasn't, he wasn't going and growing his own food. He wasn't going and cooking his own food. And, and folks, you've you got to learn to eat yourself. So he said you should have been growing, you should have been, uh, you should have been teaching people by now. Uh, but, you, but he said, but sadly, we're still at the spot right now that you've got to be, you got to be fed yourself. And he says, I'm still having to, you're people that have to have milk. And that's why, the, you know, that's why he's going to repeat some things. That's why he's going to go over some things. That's why he's going to emphasize some things because they're struggling. They got saved, but they never came out of their religion. You know, have you ever won somebody to Christ and they, maybe they were in the Catholic church and they got saved and, and you say to them, you know, that salvation, and they say, uh, you know, man, I'm glad I'm saved. I know I'm saved. I've trusted Christ, but... I, I don't want to leave my church. And I'll say something to him like, did they ever tell you how to be saved? Well, no. Who told you how to be saved? Well, you did. And what church am I from? Well, the, that one. Well, uh, look, I mean, would you want to keep going someplace where they never told you, or you want to go someplace where they are telling you? And so, and I'm not trying to hurt them, and I'm trying to condemn their 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 church but the, but the fact is is that if you're not getting anything to eat you need to go someplace to get something to eat and so uh you know the, especially when it comes down to getting the milk well you can't even have milk until you've been born and so he said that you such as have need of milk and not strong meat now these these have heard this is what i interpret as these have heard and received the truth of salvation but they had digressed and were struggling, living in a society where family and friends believed and followed the Old Testament rituals and the priests. You see, they had gotten saved, but they were struggling living in a society that didn't believe what they had received. And they were this is all they had been taught their whole life, and now they are surrounded. It had been what would have happened to me if, if after I got saved in Memphis State, if I had ended up back home at the old Christian church that I'd gone to. 
Well, I got saved, but I would have, I would have ended up back around my family. I would ended up around uh, everybody that, that really believed that, that church was a social function. And man, you know, don't, don't, if you can kind of delete some of this out or something. Um, you know, I don't want to hurt anybody out there, but, but it was, really, I never heard the gospel one time growing up there. I heard that I needed to be baptized at 12 years old. Never really knew why, except that that's allowed me to be able to take the communion. And, and my whole life, you know, I just wanted to know what that juice and bread tastes like. That's all I want, you know. So I never heard anything. I sat with my brother when I was probably 13. He was going into the Army, thought he would probably end up in Vietnam. And I sat with him in the pastor's office, and he asked the pastor, said, how can I know for sure I'm going to heaven? I mean, it was just straight-out question. I can, I could vividly in my mind. I never even thought much about heaven or hell, but my brother was thinking about it because he thinks he's heading to, to, to Vietnam. And so he said, and the pastor looked at him and said, all I can tell you is that you just better hope that you have a few seconds before you die to ask God to forgive you of all the things you've done wrong. Well, what if you get just get blown up? What if you don't have those few seconds? Now, that's where these people were living. They were living in that environment. And I'll just, I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't have my, my wife. I wouldn't have children serving God if I had lived in that environment. And that's all I'd ever known. Because I'd gotten saved, but I'd, I'd never gotten past a little bit of milk. And that's the way these people were living. They were living in a surrounding. And, and how they got saved, I don't know. Who won them, where they heard it, I don't know. But they were, in, they were still just saturated with this philosophy and this religion that they had grown up with themselves. And if you've grown up with it and you get saved all alone, or like I did, you don't know that this is, I mean, it doesn't even really register in your mind that they didn't tell me. It, you, you have a heart for God, so this is a religious practice. And so then, I, you know, you spend the rest of your life just coming into a church, sitting down. Why? Because, well, that's what you're supposed to do. Now, it's one thing to receive Christ as Savior, but it's another to live daily in a world that did not. And that's what I'm trying to get across to you. You know, they received Christ as Savior, and that's a wonderful thing, but now they're living in a world surrounded by people that have not received Christ. And so they may have a simple, in simple faith trusted the Savior as Savior, but now day by day they live in a world that is saturated with Old Testament law, priests, and traditions. To recognize Jesus as the one and only high priest of their salvation had to be a difficult concept for them to grasp even though they're saved. You see, they were saved because they trusted him as Savior. Now to be taught that he's the high priest, that's got to be hard for them to put that together. How could he be Savior and high priest? They, uh, their growth had stalled as they struggled to live and accept things they had that had never been. 
These Christians should have been growing and going deeper into the meat of the word, but they were instead digressing and staying on the milk. Salvation is in many ways the milk of the word, easy to accept as a baby as easily, accept, uh, easily accepts the milk of his mother. Meat is more difficult to chew, to swallow, to digest, to accept. They should have grown stronger and been teaching and leading others to the saving knowledge of Christ, but instead they were having to be fed because they struggled in the world, uh, in, the world in which they live and they were being weakened rather than strengthened. And all of this, you say, well, this is good, you know, my information, but, but folks, we have to make application and, and what we have to do is say, where are we really? How are we doing in this world that we live in? Are we in the meat? Are we eating meat? And can I tell you, you get stronger when you eat meat. And it, the, you know what the strength is for? The strength is so that you can teach someone else. Now, they did not have all we have of the scriptures. But they obviously had some of the word or the writer would not have challenged them concerning the word. And so, we, again, you, you look at it and say, well, they didn't have the Bible the way we have it. But they had something. Otherwise, they would not have been challenged about getting into the word of God. So, here's again, the print, we have it all. It's a complete word of God. Are we getting it? And, you know, you can almost look at the books of Bible. It's like 66 different courses, you know. I mean, you, you go in there and, and just, okay, you know, I, I want a little bit of, uh, of, of uh, I want a donut today and I want a steak tomorrow. You know what I mean? It, it's all in there and it's all good. Now, this is a vital, a vital principle today. We where are we as Christians? So often Christians who have been Christians for years wallow in immaturity. Very simply. You know, I've had periods of my life that I, I believed I did not grow the way I should have. And can I tell you, if you really, if you're not growing, usually you're digressing. You're growing, you're, you're getting weaker. Um, you know, I, I went, uh, when I was... Um, uh, lifting weights and doing all that, I got up to you know a certain weight. And if and, and when I was uh, first came into church, my preacher was a former Texas weightlifting champion. So for about six months while he was there at that church, we we lifted three or four times a week. You know, he uh, we didn't have a big church, and so I was his investment, I think. So because I mean, he he taught me the whole time, and and you get a lot of points across while you know about three hundred pounds laying on your chest, and he won't get it off of you, and so. Uh, uh, so he's talking to me and he's teaching me and we're and I'm growing, but I'm I'm also physically getting stronger. And now, uh, when I went off to college, I couldn't lift weights anymore. I couldn't do that anymore. And the first first summer there, they had. Um, they had the 4th of July, a big activity, because they had a lot of married people then, and, and they'd have all these married people there on 4th of July, and, and they would you could win groceries, and you could win all these kind of things. Well, man, we were broke as we could be, so I'm going to go over there, and I'm going to win everything I can win, because I'm going to walk away with gas, money, and groceries, something. And so uh, uh, that one of the things they did, they had weightlifting. And so uh, the first year I was there, I hadn't touched a weight since, since January when we moved. And, uh, and when we moved, I, I was doing 300. When I, when, uh, you know, and in July the 4th, uh, I did 285. 
Now, I, I hadn't lost a lot, but I'd lost. Because if you don't keep working, you don't keep exercising, you're going to lose. And so uh, the very next year, I still hadn't lifted. Next year, I did 275. The next year, I did 265. You know, I'd only drop 10 pounds each year, but, you know, in three years, physically, I dropped 35 pounds in my, in my strength. Why? Because I didn't exercise those muscles. Well, if you don't exercise, you don't just, you think you're okay because you feel the same. You know, I felt just the same. Truth is, I feel just the same right now. But if I got under 265 pounds, you wouldn't have a preacher this weekend. <laughs> but, you know, my mind says, yeah, I can do that. But I don't do it anymore. We react. Listen, and this is just a little self-test. Are you maturing as a Christian? Do you still react to people the same way you always did? Do you still get just as angry just as quickly as you always did? Do you still get offended easily just like you always did? Are you still just as selfish as you always were? Are you easily hurt? Is what I'm saying hurting you right now? Um. You know, folks, as we mature as a Christian, we're not supposed to be bothered by a lot of stuff that we once got really bothered by. You know, I know when I'm spiritually getting weaker because my attitude gets worse. The church, like no other venue, loses... Got to check it tonight. All right. The church, like no other venue, loses members over one incident or one failure. You say, what do you mean by that? You know, if you go to Kroger tonight and you buy all your groceries and you get something home and something you bought at Kroger was spoiled, you just quit going to Kroger, don't you? You ain't never going to Kroger again, are you? No, you'll, be, you'll go right back over there, return it, and somebody will say, oh, we're so sorry, I don't know how to, and you'll say, oh, don't worry about it, as long as you give me another one free. <laughs> but in the church, like no other place, you let one thing happen. Brother Howes used to say all the time, he said, I don't know why they're upset, upset, upset with me. I never did anything for them. Because he said, man, he said, I do, I, you know, the people that get upset with me, people I've done for, I've counseled, I've given money to, I've taken care of, I've helped out. And he said, those are the ones that get mad at me. You know what that is, really? It's immaturity. It's milk. They never pass the milk. You know, at some point, we need to mature. Now, verse 13, because that wasn't going real good, so I'll, let's go to verse 13. 
For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. This verse reveals the root of our struggles in the Christian life. When we are unskillful, that word skillful really means ignorant. Ignorant in the word of God. The very word that saved our souls. The word of righteousness that we believed. You see, that's what he's talking about. He said, you know, the word of righteousness, you believed it. And, and you know, the, the, everything that started coming after that was just the milk of the word just came. The word of righteousness that we believed, and so to speak, and, I, and it's not exactly correct, but the milk of salvation, because really you can't even drink milk until you've been born, but that would at least to be sort of the, the milk uh, of salvation is the, the milk that's necessary for, for you to take on the milk. But that same word of God also contains the meat for a righteous life. And that's what a lot of our, our Christianity forgets. Uh, we've got a Christianity today that says, give me milk. Let's give everybody milk. That's what it's all about. Long as long as we agree on salvation, nothing else matters. Well, that just means that we're going to have milk and no further. Because to go any further means you're going to conflict with somebody because that's not that's not your, your place. We, we just want to give milk. But when you talk about the meat, the strong meat, strong meat means strong means steadfast and unmovable. You see, the word of God is steadfast and unmovable. When we eat of the meat, we grow into steadfast, unmovable Christians. And when we are steadfast and unmovable, we are steadfast and unmovable through exercise. You see, God says as we exercise in the word, we become steadfast and unmovable because the word strengthens us. We become stronger in the word. The word exercise is so incredible. It means to train. Now, now watch this, and I'll be done with this. But it says to train or practice or exercise naked. It was a term used during like the Olympics and the things that they, they did back in that time. But here, this is so vital. I think it's incredible because I believe God wants us to be stripped of all of our pride, all of our self-sufficiency, all of our dependence on our ability to study his word. He said, I want you to come and exercise in my word, but when you come, I want you naked. I want you stripped of everything you are and let me feed you with what you need to be. If they exercised in the word, they would understand and accept that Jesus is the high priest. He's saying to them, you struggle with this, this one concept. He said, but if you would exercise in the word and strip yourself of all your pride in the fact that you, your religion selects the high priest, I'm telling you, God selects the high priest. And until you strip yourself of your pride and your arrogance and depend on me, you're never going to be strong and steadfast and unmovable in the world. Amen. 
if we exercise, we also will not be persuaded against the truth of the gospel. The present, and, I, and, I, and again, I'm, <laughs> again, I'm done on this. The present generation feels the past generation thought about too much. I told Brother Hopper earlier, I've been really searching this out in my brain and watching and observing, but here's what happened. The present generation that we're dealing with today feels that the past generation, which would be my generation and before, fought about too much. They have chosen, and, and because they feel like we fought over too many things, they have chosen to fight over nothing. They don't fight for the flag. They don't fight to keep homosexuality from being a normality. They do not fight for the purity of the word of God. They do not fight for the blood. They will not stand against organizations that are, uh, that are against God, morality, and patriotism. They simply do not want to fight. They don't want to fight. And I told Brother Hopper, now part of that's a little bit of our generation's fault because we, we fought and we were fighters, but sometimes when you're a fighter, you end up fighting over things you shouldn't be fighting about. So you get into issues and conflicts that you shouldn't be fighting about, but the other side of that is getting so discouraged by people fighting sometimes about things we shouldn't be fighting about, the other side looks and says, I can't stand all the fighting, so I'm fighting over nothing. That's right. And neither one of those is right. You see, if we are to exercise to discern good and evil, watch this, if I'm to work out so that I know, if I'm to exercise so I know between, discern between good and evil, Listen, folks, it doesn't take a genius to understand what's the use of knowing good and evil except that you will stay away from evil and do good. That's why you got to know it. That's why you got to discern what it is so that you can act upon them. That means sometimes you got to fight against evil. Sometimes that means you got to fight for good. There are some things you just got to fight. Now, the truth is, I don't like fighting any more than anybody else. But if I get, but you push me into a corner or you, you come after my children, and that's what this world is doing right now. They're coming after our children. Then I got to be willing to fight. When they come after my country and, and, and they... And I don't, you know, I don't want, I, I don't uh, have uh, ESPN. I don't have uh, the football. I don't, I don't know football as much as anybody. But I'm not going, I just don't want anything to do with the NFL. Amen. Sorry, I don't want anything to do with the NFL. Amen. They're ungodly before they ever started kneeling. If it was a you know just a few players that decided to do that, but because I don't know their you know their heart or their reasoning, but when all of the NFL starts saying that this is what we believe too, I don't I don't believe in that. Amen. Now watch 
protest in all kinds of ways. And I'm not saying you don't have a right to protest. you got a right to protest. And, and look, in our free country, you can even get up the flag, but I don't have to watch you. That's right. Amen. Exactly right. When Target goes in and, and puts on, you know, and, and, and just immediately wants to throw in, you know, does anybody can go into any bathroom and they support it and they endorse it. just seems that so much of today's generation, and I say that, I'm not talking about millennials, I'm talking about just people of this world in today's time, so much of it, we're looking at it and we're saying, well, I just don't think that's necessary to fight over that. Well, if you don't fight over it, you're not going to have it. And if people hadn't fought over some of those things, if they hadn't got burned and lost money over some of those things, they'd still be doing those things. And more stores would be doing it. And do you really want to go and never be able to go to a restroom at any store you go to? Because that's about where it's going to be if somebody doesn't fight it. I didn't mean to even get into any of this. I really didn't. Take this one off the internet. It's just, folks, look, this is not a, a political thing. It's just, but if we don't take a stand for what made us what we are, we will stop being what we are. Now, are we perfect? No, we've got a lot of things. There's a lot of stuff that should be changed. But, but, but you ought to have, we ought to know between good and the evil. And telling a store, telling... Target's got a TV, half price, there we are. And you know what they'll say if you ever bring anything? Well, I, I'm sure that Walmart that you go to, uh, they do things wrong too.
that's okay, that's okay, that's okay. Well, what are you going to fight over? Oh, well, I, I, believe, I believe in salvation. Well, it's the funny thing. When you don't fight over anything, you end up as little old spoon saying, saying well, I, you know, Joel doesn't do If you don't believe in Jesus, do you believe you're going to hell? Well, it's not my place to judge. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I must be mad tonight. I'm just telling you, folks, you won't fight over anything. You'll say, oh, yeah, I've got some things to fight for. Uh, well, let me just tell you, if you don't have a little bit of fight, if you have a little bit of fight, you're going to end up fighting for something you shouldn't because you got a little bit of fight in here. But you don't have any fight in your own and everything's okay, 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 then pretty soon everything really is okay. Because you've been so long away from discerning good and evil, so long away from being willing to fight, that you don't even know how to fight anymore. Yeah. Well, God bless you. <laughs> this is my sermon tonight on how to win friends and influence people. <laughs> so God bless y'all and you don't have to shake my hand. God bless you. <laughs> Let's stand. We'll be dismissed.